Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM. Welcome to Medicine on Call, where it's all about living in the solutions. This is Dr. Elena George, and today I have a really a special and important guest on my show. I was blessed to be a guest on her show last week. Um, it's called the Power Hour Radio Show, and this is Joanne Conaway. She's a retired U.S. Air Force Lieutenant Colonel. Um, she's a, a nurse. She has a unique perspective um, of the practice of medicine because she's seen it and really done it all, to be honest. She started her career as a nurse, earning her Bachelor's of Science degree in nursing in 1976. Her experiences span all medical disciplines, um, having started in the ER, continuing in the operation room, critical care, cardiac care, and nutritional support. Her experiences offered her an opportunity to observe the human body from various aspects of health and disease. And while doing nutritional support, she cared for people who could no longer eat by mouth and receiving all their nutrition intravenously or by tube feeding. She's gained an in-depth understanding of the nutrition at the cellular level and the importance of GI in, uh, system function. And this understanding and experience has sparked her passion for helping people, and that's what her show is all about. And that's why it was such a blessing for me to be on there, because I think that most MDs are not really up to snuff, I would be honest, on nutrition. And I think most disease starts and it's based on the cellular level, and nutrition is the key. So I wanted um, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Carnaway to come on today to talk about her experience and to educate my listeners about how you stay healthy. It's not about taking drugs. It's not about one pill to take it, you know, to fix everything. It's about starting from the root, and that means nutrition. So, uh, Lieutenant Carnaway, oh, Colonel Carnaway, thanks for coming on today. It's it's really an honor to have you on my show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here with you this afternoon. Thank you. Well, we have a lot to talk about. So, the first thing I wanted to get, I mean, you've had such a wealth of experience with really ill people and nursing them back to health. And what's how did you actually start that process? What is the thing that you, you can remember that spurred you into thinking outside the box, that it's not just a pill? Well, I have to tell you, it was during my time when I was working in nutritional support. And at that time, I started to learn about the horrible manifestations of mineral and vitamin deficiency diseases. This was back when we were first able to keep people alive who could no longer eat by mouth. And the fascinating thing for me was we knew everyone needed carbohydrates and proteins. We quickly knew there was a basic need for essential fatty acids. We had to come up with an essential fatty acid formulation that could be given intravenously. Even more than that, we learned also of the manifestations of mineral deficiencies. We all knew people needed calcium and magnesium and potassium, but we really did not know that people had a basic need for things like molybdenum and manganese and boron and zinc and names that are pretty commonplace today back then were not. And so I started working very closely trying to understand exactly what the mechanism was and exactly why there was such a need for minerals and trace minerals. And so that just kind of spurred my desire to learn more, and I learned a lot while I was doing nutritional support. And then in my career as a nurse doing other disciplines within nursing, 
I watched people, and I watched them, in many cases, get thicker and thicker. And one of the things, in fact, what caused me to retire from nursing early, I retired and went back to school and became a naturopathic physician, and the reason I did that was because what I found was working with these patients in the hospital setting, we were giving them medications, but we weren't affecting a change. And I had learned working with people that we could affect a change if we help people understand diet, nutrition, understand the things that are not healthy in the diets that we consume today, and the importance of good supplementation. And so that's what's brought me to where I am today. And, you know, as you said, I have seen it from both sides of the fence. I worked in the conventional medicine world for 40 years. I have been in the all-natural world at the same time I was in the conventional medicine world, but I've been in the all-natural world now for 20 years. And I say I've helped more people in 20 years than I ever did in 40 years as a nurse. Isn't that the case? I mean, I can tell you from my standpoint, too, when my father was really ill, he had an obstructional, uh, an intestinal obstruction in the hospital that he was in, which we won't talk about because it was a socialized medicine system. He literally went down to skin and bones before we were able to extract him from that, and he had surgery and he recovered. But it was all about nutrition from the ground up, from him not being able to eat to literally putting everything that he could have needed from a building block perspective. And it was painstaking, but you can actually, it was like seeing a flower blossom, you know, seeing him come back from barely being able to talk and move to dancing at his 90th birthday. So I'm coming at this from a personal perspective because I've seen it work. And it does work. And it's amazing that you should say that. You know, I had a situation with my mom, for example, and she was a, a person who lost a kidney to cancer, and they watched her very carefully, wanted to put her on dialysis, and I said, Mom, you're not going on dialysis. And so what I did was I helped her understand the basic things she needed to do or not do with respect to her diet, and then the basic nutrition that she needed to keep her kidney functioning, to keep her kidney healthy. Mm-hmm. And she passed away almost a year ago now, from something totally unrelated, but she never did go on dialysis. Wow. That's amazing. And that was nine years. Yeah. Nine years. So. Oh, I mean, the stories that we can, can tell, done. it definitely can be done. Because I had a brother who was in his 30s, actually, and he died on the di- on dialysis. Or he had a, he arrested. Mm-hmm. So I've seen it on both ends. And, you know, there's not everything fits everybody. I mean, we both know that. But. I think everybody should be given a choice, don't you? Oh, absolutely. And I think that that's a big part of the problem today. Patients are not given a choice. They're not given, given a choice because conventional medicine focuses on what I refer to as cut, burn, and poison. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they don't focus on how important an individual's diet is to their overall health and wellness. You know, this is the one thing that I've learned as I've gotten older, you know, I've practiced medicine. We learned, we actually were lucky. We got a a month of nutrition when I was in medical school. But one of the things that's come, that I've come to really understand is that most of the diseases that we treat are nutritionally based. And one of the things I want to educate my listeners about is the major players. We know about high cholesterol, heart disease, um, diabetes, etc. I'm hoping that we can tease each one of these illnesses out because it's just I. People come in with shopping bags full of medication, but they're not any better. 
you know, and that's one of the things that I want to definitely, uh, you know, go into. Look, let's just start off with high cholesterol. All of these statins that have been given out for the millions of doses over the past um, 20, 30 years or since they were discovered, do you think that most people that are on them need to be on them? Oh, absolutely not. And I can remember back when I was in school, a couple of different things that I remember, and these things keep coming around whenever we have this cholesterol discussion. But I remember being taught that a good healthy cholesterol was somewhere around 220 to 250, Mm -hmm. and the body has to have cholesterol for various different reasons. Every cell wall membrane is made up of cholesterol. We know that all of our hormones, many of our hormones start out as cholesterol, Meaning, if you want to have healthy estrogen, healthy testosterone, healthy progesterone, you have to have an adequate amount of cholesterol to be able to manufacture those hormones. And you take that one step further, when the human body is not getting enough dietary cholesterol to be able to manufacture those hormones, or when the cholesterol is driven down because a person is on statin drugs, the body doesn't say, oh, no big deal, I'm not going to make hormones anymore. The body continues to try to make those hormones and looks for the most readily available source of cholesterol in the body. That happens to be the myelin sheath of the brain. And there's been a lot of research saying that a big part of the reason why we have so much in terms of Alzheimer's disease and dementia in this country is because everyone got on the low-fat, no-fat bandwagon, and they all started to take statin drugs, and they've driven their cholesterol down so low that it's affected their brain. Now, the sad reality is doctors have for many, many years prescribed statin drugs to keep a person's cholesterol down below 200, sometimes down below 180. Sometimes doctors are putting patients, and I've had Many clients I've worked with that have come to me and said, well, my doctor's decided he wants me to take a statin drug. And I'll ask the question, you know, why? Tell me what your cholesterol is so that I can help them understand that you have to have a healthy cholesterol somewhere around 220 to 250 in order for everything else to function properly. And they'll say, well, my cholesterol isn't high. My cholesterol is only like 180 or 190. And I'll ask, why does he want you on a statin? And the answer on several occasions has been just in case. The doctor wants them on this statin drug just in case their cholesterol should go too high. Now, to me, that's not practicing medicine using all your faculties. (laughs) I don't think we should be giving patients drugs of any kind just in case something might happen. I couldn't agree with you more. And especially, and especially not to lower the cholesterol. This is saying it's almost like when they were in medical school, they forgot what they learned about how important the cholesterol is to functions in the body. And to me, it just amazes me to see so many prescriptions given, and certainly with their long list of side effects, and driving the cholesterol down to the point where people are not functioning at an optimal level. How many people do I know that they are on a statin drug or have been on a statin drug and they need a drug for ED? Mm-hmm. And it's because they've been on the statin drug. Their cholesterol is so low that they're not producing adequate hormones and their body's not functioning normal. You're, I mean, I agree totally with that. It's We're treating 
we're creating a disease space, and then magically there's a medication for that. It's it's almost like it's designed, isn't it? <laughs> it mean, almost is. It is. It almost is. I mean, you can think about this. When I was in medical school, and you just said it right, you you hit the nail on the head. Normal was 250. Now it's 200. Don't forget the uh, obesity level. 30 of a BMI, um, BM, body metabolic, base metallic. I'm sorry, base. I'm sorry, just all BMI. Metabolic rate. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. It was 30. That was normal. Now that's morbidly obese. I mean, it's right. like they're creating these numbers. They're downregulating them so that more people need the medication. And I think the underlying thing on this is that these studies are usually written, underwritten by the drug companies. What conflict of interest is that in there, do you think? Oh, definitely there's a conflict of interest. And when you look at the new standards, for example, for blood pressure, mm-hmm. American Heart Association coming out with, you know, the new standard is 120 over 80. You and I know that as a patient gets older and their arteries become a little stiffer because that's what happens as you age. They're not as elastic as they used to be. It requires a little bit higher blood pressure to move that blood through the system and to perfuse the vital organ. So now what they're saying is if you're 120 over 80, you have a predisposition to high blood pressure. Let's go ahead and start you on a medication right now. And I wonder how many seniors and young people are are, uh, lightheaded and complaining of vertigo because their blood pressure is too low and they end up in my office because they have dizziness. I mean, this is just like this domino. Nobody's thinking anymore. And from a medical standpoint, those of us who have employed, become employees of hospitals, if they do think too much for themselves, they, run, they can run afoul of the system and end up in peer review. So this is a really punitive, mercenary system that's making doctors and nurses toe a line, play a game if they want to stay in practice. And the sad reality is, and I've seen it so many times, these people who go home on these blood pressure medications are the people who come back into the hospital, to your point lightheaded, dizzy, they fall, Mm -hmm. they fracture a hip, and then they're in that downward spiral. Exactly. And then we can talk about how the healthcare system won't put them in a skilled nursing facility because they haven't been admitted as an inpatient. I mean, this is just a system that's completely broken on so many levels. It's not even funny. And what we say is the best way to avoid it is stay healthy and stay away from the doctors. (laughs) I, I preach the same mantra. That's how you beat the system is you don't get sick. On that note, let's take a break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. Are you having problems with persistent bad breath, constant throat clearing, hoarseness, a cough that won't go away, a sore throat, or a feeling that something's always stuck in your throat? Why not find out what the problem is so it can be fixed? At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking time to work with our patients as a team to get to the root of the problem. Make an appointment today to see why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Dr. Conaway, a retired lieutenant colonel, a registered nurse, a naturopath, and somebody who understands the healthcare or the healthcare system as well as staying healthy from a very much an inside perspective. Before the break, we were talking about 
healthy cholesterol. Let's switch gears now and talk about blood sugar and diabetes. Have you had the feeling that everything's being treated like an algorithm, like the hemoglobin A1C? Numbers drive everything, not the patient. So there's no thought involved. Oh, without a doubt. I call it cookie cutter medicine. You come in and your labs fall into a certain range and therefore you fit this box. And because you fit this box, we will look at other things. And if you fit those boxes, then we put you on a standard pre-printed set of orders and you start this downward spiral. Mm -hmm. Now, when we talk about things like blood sugar, never is any consideration given in a doctor's office with respect to what is causing your blood sugar to be so high. One of the fascinating things is understanding the impact that grains have on your blood sugar. People don't realize it. And I, you know, in my lectures, I talk about it all the time. When we compare, for example, the glycemic index of a piece of whole grain bread to the glycemic index of even white bread, which everybody knows is not healthy, or a Snickers bar or a Mars bar, the glycemic index, which is the indicator that tells us how quickly your blood sugar is going to go up after you consume a food, is higher for whole grain bread. But I don't think your diabetic educator is going to say, oh, don't worry about eating a sandwich on whole grain bread. That's perfectly okay. Stay away from those Snickers and Mars bars, though. Mm -hmm. The sad thing is the, the glycemic index for whole grain bread is higher than even a candy bar. So people don't know this and don't understand this, and this is where education becomes so critically important. If you're going to consume bread with every meal, and you happen to be someone who isn't processing sugar properly because you have diabetes, that's not going to help your diabetes. It's going to make it worse. Mm -hmm. And yet, this is not what these patients are being taught. These patients are being told to stay away from candy. They're being told to stay away from soda. Granted, we want everyone to stay away from candy and soda. There's just too much sugar in candy and soda. And that's another whole discussion because it's not just sugar. It's mostly high fructose corn syrup. So they're all told to stay away from that, but they're not told to stay away from grains, which elevate the blood sugar dramatically. So it's all educating and helping people to understand what's impacting my blood sugar. What am I doing? What is my diet doing to my blood sugar? And this is where the education needs to begin, but we need to educate the diabetic educators because, unfortunately, they don't seem to understand it either. Well, I, obviously they don't because I've never heard that uh, nobody educated about the whole grain. You know, you heard about fiber and it's okay and it's better than white bread. And actually, I learned something right there too because I really didn't know that as well. Another thing that people may not even realize is juicing can be a problem too. If you juice fruits as opposed to vegetables, you can get yourself into trouble there too, can't you? Oh, Absolutely. And that's one of the biggest reasons, you know, juicing, I would take nothing away from juicing with the exception. And that exception is if you're juicing too many fruits, to your point exactly, that's going to drive up your blood sugar. Now, given that, juicing is very beneficial if you're juicing good, fresh, organic vegetables mm -hmm. because when you juice, your body gets a lot of healthy enzymes. Those healthy enzymes go to work immediately in the body, helping to digest your food, but also helping to clean up the trash in the blood, if you will. So I think juicing is a great idea, and I know people who have seen significant success getting well juicing, but they limit the amount of fruit that they juice. 
and that's because fruits are high in sugar. Now, not all fruit sugar is bad. Fruit sugars, sugars that come from food, can be very healthy. The problem is most people don't realize how much sugar is in so many of the fruits, and if you consume too much, then you're going to raise your blood sugar. Well, I can tell you that happened to a friend of mine who was no medical problem at all, ended up with hyperglycemia, and her hemoglobin A1C went up because she was juicing a lot of sweets, you know, watermelon and the cantaloupe and things like that that have high sugar. So you, you got to really know what you're doing when you start to think about nutrition because food isn't, it's a medication too, isn't it? It certainly can be. Absolutely. Now, it can be a healthy medication, but with just about anything, too much of a good thing is not healthy. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the case? So let's talk a little bit of high fructose corn syrup because you mentioned that a minute ago. And what's the difference really between cane sugar and something that has high fructose corn syrup or fructose like those, uh, uh, those uh, you know, energy drinks that uh, vitamin water, for example, that have fructose in them? Is there a difference between those three types of sugar? And definitely there's a difference in the way the body utilizes them. If you get pure cane sugar, now it's going to drive your blood sugar up. It's going to do the other things. It's going to contribute to obesity. It's going to do all the things that we know sugar does. But if you have pure cane sugar, 100% pure cane sugar from the cane, that is a healthier alternative. Now, it's not something that I recommend. I mean, I recommend people don't consume much sugar at all. I think that sugar is evil, in my opinion. But I think sugar has become more evil because of high fructose corn syrup. High fructose corn syrup comes from corn. It's relatively inexpensive to make, but it impacts the body in so many negative ways. When you consume high fructose corn syrup, and that's what you're going to find as a sweetener in just about anything that's prepackaged and processed, all your soft drinks with few exceptions, most of the things that you find on the grocery store shelf, they have high fructose corn syrup in them or because the manufacturers are trying to hide it now. It may say corn solids. It may say liquid corn. <laughs> a couple of other descriptors that they use. But it all means the same thing. And when your body consumes high fructose corn syrup, several things happen. First of all, the body doesn't recognize it as a carbohydrate source, doesn't know what to do with it, and stores it immediately as fat. The second thing that happens is it stands in the way of the normal glycolytic pathway. That's the pathway whereby sugar is driven into the cell to be used energy. So it stands in the way of that pathway. So let's say, for example, you go to a salad bar and you're going to eat some fresh greens and you're going to eat some of those fresh strawberries and you're going to anticipate getting the healthy sugars that your body needs from eating that food. But in addition to those things you eat, you decide that you're going to eat one of those rolls. Well, the roll has gluten in it, which is another topic we can discuss. But beyond that... That roll, I'm sure, has high fructose corn syrup in it. So now when you consume that roll or perhaps those crackers that have high fructose corn syrup in them, those good healthy sugars that you anticipate getting from the veggies and the fruit, you can't get it. Your body can't get them and can't utilize them because the high fructose corn syrup stands in the way of that pathway. The other thing that it does is it stands in the way of the function of the hormone leptin. Leptin is that hormone in the body that signals the brain that there's enough fat on board. We can kick up the metabolic rate and burn up some of this fat. However, since the brain doesn't know what the body looks like in the mirror, 
if that message is interrupted and not getting to the brain, the brain thinks that we're starving and keeps hacking on the pound and holding on to anything it has because it feels as though we need to have reserve in case there's ever a situation where we're in a state of famine. So the body, because it doesn't get the message, doesn't pick up the metabolic rate, and you just keep packing on the pound. The other thing that happens is it stands in the way of the function of the hormone ghrelin. That hormone is produced in the stomach, and basically, without a long discussion about that, basically that's the hormone that kind of gives a signal that says, I've eaten, I'm satiated, life is good, and let's go on. Given the fact that high fructose corn syrup impacts the body in those four negative ways, in my opinion, is a big part of the reason why we see so much in terms of obesity. But take it one step beyond that, it is high fructose corn syrup. It comes from corn. Corn is a crop that is genetically modified. And what we've learned is that crops that are genetically modified that can withstand being sprayed with Roundup or glyphosate have a very negative impact on the gut bacteria. And that is my area of expertise. I absolutely love talking about the gut. Well, let me stop you there. Let me stop you there because let's take a break and pick right up on that. You're listening to Medicine on Call. health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Dr. Joanne Conaway. She's got over 40 years' experience in the healthcare industry, and this is somebody who understands how people get sick, why people get sick, and more importantly, can explain that to people. And before the break, we were talking about the gut, and the gut is the key for everything. If the gut doesn't work properly, I believe it affects the entire system. Over 70% of the immune system is in the gut. You know, if you can, if you're eating all this organic and wonderful food, you have to have it pass through the gut and actually enter the system and into the body. So before the break, we were talking about this. This is your expertise. You love this area. Tell me why you love it so much. What is it that we need to know? Well, what I've learned is just how powerful gut bacteria is. Our gut microbiome, that's what we refer to it as. In fact, I've written a book, Why is America So Sick? and it's linking digestive health to immunity and hormonal issues. 
What I learned many, many years ago, and this is interestingly enough as a result of an episode with my son. My son, when he was two years old, had a horrible ear infection and strep throat. It took three rounds of antibiotics. So you kill the infection during the third round of antibiotics. He developed a horrible diarrhea, became very dehydrated, was very, very sick. I knew enough at the time to get him some lactobacillus acidophilus. And I did get him lactobacillus, and it stopped his diarrhea. Within 24 hours, he was able to keep things in him instead of getting things out of him constantly. Mm -hmm. And so he was much better. But subsequent to that, he developed a horrible eczema. And I'm not talking about a mild case of eczema. This was down his back, across his bum, behind his knees, in the bends of his arms, under his arms, his scalp, and it was horrible. And whenever I would take him to a pediatrician, they wanted to put him on steroids. I would not let that happen. I know the impact of steroids on adrenal function. I already knew his gut wasn't working properly, so his immune system wasn't healthy, and I did not want to put him at any more risk. So for eight years, we looked for the answer to this, and it wasn't until I sat down with a couple of naturopathic friends of mine, and I said, this is the deal. Please look at him and help me out. And so the line of questioning went along those lines of, has he ever been on antibiotics? And I explained the situation, and it was told to me that what I had done was okay, but what I had done was not enough. There's more than lactobacillus acidophilus as far as a good bacteria. So when we finished our conversation, the recommendation was to get him all off all dairy and all wheat. He was already pretty much off dairy because whenever he ate any dairy, he was clearly lactose intolerant. It caused a flare of his eczema. He ate very little wheat. He ate mostly rice bread and things like that. So I said to him at the age of 10 now, okay, this is what they said. We need to get you off all dairy and off all wheat. And he looks at me and he says, and what am I going to eat? <laughs> and I said, you know what, we're going to try this for a couple of weeks. But at the end of two weeks, we haven't seen a marked improvement. We'll continue to look for the answer. So off all dairy, off all wheat, and take a good probiotic supplement. The way I tell the story is, as God is my witness, within three days, this eczema this child had lived with for eight years was so much improved, I could not believe it. Hmm. Within five days. It was gone. Wow. It was gone. That showed me clearly that if you take care of the gut lining, you can correct issues. And, of course, it has gone well beyond that. You know, to your point a few minutes ago, the gut is responsible for everything. And the way I tell people, think about it this way. When we were created, we were designed with a gastrointestinal system that was to do everything for us. It was to grow our fingernails. It was to help our muscles. It was to help create who we are today. And generally, when I'm speaking to people, none of us are the same person we were when we were born or when we were two or when we were 10 years old. We've all changed. How do we change? We change based on what we eat. We get taller. We get bigger, broader, fatter, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's based on what we eat and what we bring into our gut. If our guts are not healthy and are not processing our foods in a healthy way, we will get sick. And what we have learned and what we know now, and this is where the research gets so exciting for me, we know that gut bacteria is necessary to break down your foods. If your gut bacteria is healthy, those foods will be broken down into the molecular structures necessary to go do the jobs at the cellular level. However, if 
impure foods are broken down by bad bacteria, what then leaves your digestive system are poisons and toxins. And they go through the body, and they can set up residence anywhere in the body. If they set up residence in your joint, you may have a rheumatoid arthritis. If they set up residence in your thyroid, you may have a Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Many of the immune system problems that we see today, the autoimmune conditions that we see today, are a direct result of an unhealthy gastrointestinal system. So the good bacteria must be there, and the bad bacteria must be eliminated in order for us to stay healthy. So from what you're describing, in your opinion, are these autoimmune diseases reversible? Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. And I will say that absolutely without a doubt because I've worked with many people, many people who had lupus, who no longer have lupus, many people who have scleroderma, who no longer have scleroderma, people who have any type of autoimmune disease, if we repair the gut, if we clean up the diet, and if we get some good basic nutrition on board, it's amazing what can happen. Wow. So they're not relegated to steroids and cream, steroid cream, steroids by mouth. It seems like it's going the opposite direction, the treatment. Oh, absolutely. And unfortunately, again, you know, we, we talk about this when you and I talk. When a person starts to take a medication, they're taking a poison. They're taking something that the body has to deal with. And when you already have a system that's struggling trying to deal with the activities of daily living, and you compound that problem by giving a person a pharmaceutical, unfortunately, you may help mask the symptoms, but you're not getting to the root of the problem, and you're not correcting the issue. Hmm. I agree. It's all about treating the problem. And, and you know, it's not everything is for everybody, right? But I feel if you correct right. the underlying problem, and if they still have the problem, then you would treat that. And I think there'd be a lot less uh, people on medication, frankly, a lot less money spent in a healthcare system that doesn't make anybody better, and a lot more people out of uh, not losing their bank accounts in a system that's completely designed to suck your money out like a vacuum cleaner. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I see it every day. You know, I see it with the people that I work with. And I'm working with a woman right now who, because of all of her issues, several different issues, autoimmune conditions, adrenal exhaustion, all of these things, she has not been able to function normally for over eight years. Wow. And she's got young kids. She can't take them to their soccer games. She's really been struggling. And I asked her to commit to a program, and she did. And within a month, she couldn't believe how much better she felt. Within two months, she's emailing me saying, I can't believe this. I went to see my doctor. All my lab work is within normal limits. Wow, that's pretty and this awesome. Is a woman who's been sick for eight years. It is awesome. <laughs> body, you know, the body's a fantastic healing machine. And if you give it the raw materials it needs, it's going to do a really good job of healing itself. Take away those bad things, give it the things it needs, and it's amazing what can happen. I've seen people scheduled for bilateral joint replacement. I'm going to go in and have my bilateral knee replacement. Well, you know what? Let's try this for 90 days. Are you willing to suffer with a little bit of the pain that you've been suffering with for all these years for another 90 days? Most of them will say, well, yeah, if I can avoid the surgery. Mm -hmm. I teach them how to clean up their diet. I teach them how to make sure that their gut is working properly. I put them on a program to help reestablish that balance of bacteria in the gut. Because the other really important thing about that is if you've got that good bacteria where it should be, and if your gut
gut lining is healthy, then if you're taking any supplements or if you're eating good, healthy foods, they're all going to be processed better. They're all going to be absorbed into the body and work better. So I help them clean up the diet. I put them on a 20-day program to fix the gut, and I put them on nutrients that I know will help to correct issues. And I've helped many people cancel their joint replacement surgery. They just don't need it anymore. That arthritis that they were told is bone on bone, and there's nothing you can do except surgery to fix it. They fix it. Doctors are made. How did that happen? <laughs> but, you know, the funny, funny thing for me is rather than a doctor look at a patient and say, wow, this is amazing. Tell me what you've done. Mm. I want to know. That's not what they see. That's not what patients are told. The doctor will say, oh, well, that's good. Just keep doing what you're doing. That's sad. I mean, this is one of the professions, health profession, anybody who's a practitioner, you're a student for life. It's all about learning new ways, new ideas, new modalities to help your patient. And anybody who doesn't believe that shouldn't be in it, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. I couldn't agree more. Now, look, in a, I know we're going to take a break in a, about five minutes or so, but I wanted to also address nutrition and and mental health. Isn't anxiety and depression also something that can be gut-related? Without a doubt. And, in fact, my next book is going to be mostly about that because the gut-brain connection, the gut-brain access is a fascinating field of research for me. And basically what we're learning is that what you're putting into your gut impacts your thinking. It impacts your thinking because we have a bi-directional pathway called the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is the longest nerve in the body. It starts in the brain, down, innervates the heart, the lungs, the liver, the spleen, the intestine, the stomach, everything, okay? If you're eating good, healthy food, what gets sent to the brain via the vagus nerve is good, healthy molecules to ensure that you've got a healthy brain. If, however, what's getting to the brain is trash, then you're going to suffer from that. And it's really interesting, the research is being done with respect to things like obsessive compulsive disorder, schizophrenia, bipolar disease, with children, ADD, ADHD, autism. You look at all of these neurological conditions and for so many years, that's what they were classified as, neurological conditions. The focus was all about the brain. Mm -hmm. But now what we're learning is because of that vagus nerve, bi-directional, bi-directional pathway, you send good things up that bi-directional pathway to the brain and the brain is going to return good things. Now, we, we talk about it, we relate it to the gut instinct or a gut feeling. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say listen to your gut or pay attention to your gut. Well, if the messages from the brain are mucked up mes messages, then you're not going to be able to function properly. You're not going to be able to get through a day normally. The other really fascinating thing that has only been learned in the last couple of decades is your serotonin, your feel-good hormone, that hormone that was always thought to be the brain hormone, 90% of your serotonin is produced in the gut. Is it any wonder people who have an unhealthy gut are not happy people? Mm -hmm. Good point. Uh, and and there's a strong link between diet and, and brain. So imagine all these SSRIs and all these medications that people are being put on. They're literally sapping. They're not fixing the problem. We already know that. But they're certainly not helping it by messing with the receptors and upregulation and things like that, are they? Not at all. And, you know, the sad reality is we hear about all these mass shootings. And so oftentimes 
they say the common denominator is they were on some type of antipsychotic medication. I take it one step further and say, okay, let's ask this. If they were all on some type of a drug, what was it in their diet that made them so unhealthy that they had to end up in a doctor's office and get a prescription for that drug to start with? That's a very good question. I mean, if we could just go back to basics instead of drugging people and masking everything, I think we'd be a lot better off. On that note, let's take our last break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. From treatment of sinusitis with balloon dilation to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Dr. Conaway, and before the break, we were talking about something that's extremely important in our society these days. For me, when I, I like to think of being an intellectual thinker and not just think emotionally about things, but one of the things to me that seems to be the, the underlying thread through all of these shootings, everybody seems to have been on these medications for depression, anxiety, you name it. And if you're telling me, I'm telling us that the gut is an integral part of how the body reacts and how these medications may interact. Maybe we ought to take a second look at this, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. But unfortunately, I'm not sure how soon we'll be able to do that because it's so easy for a person to walk in, Mm -hmm. tell their doctor they're depressed, and get some type of a a medication. And, you know, depression in adults, interestingly enough, is one of those conditions that is often a misdiagnosis. A patient will come in and they'll say, you know, doc, I'm depressed. And the doc will say, oh, I'm not so sure it's depression. You know, you're trying to get the kids through college and, you know, your wife just had an automobile accident. And I don't think it's so much depression. And you know what? Let's give you some type of a sleeping pill. Let's let's mm-hmm. give you a sleeping pill. See if you can get through the night and, you know, maybe feel better on the other side. When, in fact, people are really suffering from depression and they're suffering from depression because of an unhealthy gut. We started to talk about the microbiome and the impact of genetically modified food on the microbiome. And it's fascinating the research that's been done there because there are so many people, this is still a very controversial issue, but there are so many people out there that believe that in order to feed the world, we have to genetically modify our crops. I'm not one of those people. I do not necessarily believe that. What I do believe is that genetic modification is harming us. Now, most crops are genetically modified either to create their own pesticide or to be able to withstand being sprayed with Roundup. Roundup has an active ingredient called glyphosate. The chemical companies have always contended that glyphosate is not harmful to the human body because the human gene does not have the specific pathway whereby the glyphosate works. Glyphosate is sucked up into a weed, and because of the shikimate pathway in that weed, the glyphosate is going to kill the weed. The genetically modified crop, be it corn, soy, or whatever else, those crops are genetically modified so they can withstand being sprayed with glyphosate and not die. So that shikimate pathway in those plants 
plants doesn't work anymore. They can grow in the field. The field can be sprayed. But the important thing to remember and understand is all the time that field is being sprayed, that crop, no matter what it is, is still sucking up the glyphosate mm -hmm. out of the soil. And now it has a direct impact on gut bacteria. It does not have an impact on the human gene, but every one of our gut bacteria, both good and bad, have that shikimate pathway. So now your glyphosate has an impact on every one of your gut bacteria. Wow. I didn't realize that. And then I understand the way they process wheat, that they spray glyphosate after it's been cut to dry it. So it's like an even higher amount of the chemical in the finished product, not even when it's growing, but after it. So we were getting just oh, well, completely hosed with this stuff. That's absolutely right. We are getting an overdose every day. And you're right. When they actually, when they're growing wheat, they spray the glyphosate to desiccate the wheat, to dry it so that it's easier to harvest mm -hmm. and to be able to allow for increased yield. How do they allow for increased yield? Well, in many parts of the country, instead of being able to grow seasonal wheat, they can now grow wheat, they desiccate it, they harvest it, they can grow another crop. And in some parts of the country, they can get three crops in a year. But at what expense? Exactly. I mean, we're, we're seeing the mega farming or the corporate farming has been, done a, a huge disservice to our health. I remember we were, I mean, grass-fed versus corn-fed fed cattle. I mean, these cows are getting genetically modified corn. Chickens are getting this stuff to make them bigger so they can come to the market faster. What do you think the impact of that is of some genetically modified corn-fed animal that we're eating? We're going to be suffering from that as well, won't we? Oh, absolutely. If you eat meat, from an animal that's been fed a genetically modified crop, you're going to get that genetically modified crop because that's what makes up that animal. I think they should go back to basics as much as I possibly can. I've looked, watch everything I put in my mouth these days. It's got to be corn, uh, sorry, grass-fed, organically grown. Even the fish is not all that healthy anymore. I don't eat anything from the Gulf because of the core exit that was sprayed in or dropped in that during the um, the oil spill. I mean, Fukushima has taken out the Pacific Northwest for the most part. It's a real challenge, isn't it, to find something that's not toxic these days? It's definitely a challenge. And, you know, for that reason, so many people have said, well, I just eat farm-raised fish. Mm. But I want you to think about this. When people are eating farm-raised fish, they're eating fish that have been raised in a tank, swimming around in each other's excrement all day long. Then those fish are actually harvested. Many of them are injected with dye to look attractive on the store shelf. Is that farm-raised fish really any healthier than fish we would get out of the ocean? No. I agree with exactly what you said a few minutes ago. But let's talk about those parts of the ocean. Hopefully, we still have good stuff coming out of the North Atlantic, mm -hmm. right? People used to be scared to death of the mercury. I'm here to tell you that I would rather have a little bit of mercury than I would have all those toxins from fish that are farm-raised. I will not eat tilapia. For I know. It's really sad because I like tilapia, but... I won't eat it. Well, that's the fish that eats all the waste, isn't it, to keep the tanks clean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't exactly. touch it. So that doesn't sound so good to me. No. So is it all right if I mention my website? Please my do. My radio show? Please do. Okay. My website is dr for doctors, so drjconaway.com. And Conaway is C-O-N-A-W-A-Y, drjconaway.com. If you go out to that website, um, my books are available, my CDs are available out there. And then the radio show that I do each morning is Power Hour Radio. And if you go out to that website, Power 
thehourradio.com. You can learn all about the radio show, when it runs, the archives, what the lineup is for the week. All of those things are available. So drjconway.com or powerhourradio.com. Well, I also wanted to have you give us some information about supplements because that's something else that's a resource for your listeners. Tell us a little bit about how you know, if there's some uh, supplements that you recommend, if we had to really help ourselves, what are the supplements that you that you know of that you can recommend or even purchase, quite frankly, from your, your site that can help people stay healthy? Well, you know, I work with a company. I work with a company, and I've been with this company for 20 years now. I'm part of the scientific advisory board. And this is a company that's general mantra is 90 essential nutrients. What research has shown us is we need 90 different nutrients every day, for all of the cells to stay healthy. The company that I work with provides different formulations that will get you those 90 essential nutrients. Now, interestingly enough, of those 90 essential nutrients, 60 of them are minerals and trace minerals. Mm -hmm. This is where I firmly believe that people really are lacking because we cannot get those minerals from the foods that we eat anymore. Those minerals are not available to us because they're not in the soil. When farmers go out and fertilize their crops, they are using NPK, nitrogen, potassium, phosphorus, and that's it. All of the other minerals and trace minerals the body needs are not available from the foods that we eat. So you need to get them from a source that's going to provide those minerals in such a way that your body can absorb them and utilize them and they're non-toxic. The other thing is you need your vitamins. Interestingly enough, though, you need your minerals more than your vitamins because the minerals are cofactors that make your vitamins work. And if you don't have adequate minerals, you can take vitamins, but they may not be working the way they're supposed to. On the other hand, if you have lots of good, healthy minerals in your body, you can get a lot of the vitamins that you need if you're eating good, organic vegetables and fruits, good, organic meat. You can get many of the vitamins you need. The other class of nutrients that is so important is the amino acids. There are several amino acids the body cannot make. The body must consume. And so that's part of our basic 90 nutrients. And then the others are the essential fatty acids. There are two in particular that are necessary, and those are omega-3 and omega-6. Unfortunately, we get far too many omega-6 in our diet because there are Healthy omega-6 and unhealthy omega-6, and the unhealthy omega-6 come from all those oils and all of the things that are used in the prepackaged and processed foods to make them taste so delectable. So we get an overabundance of unhealthy omega-6 and then not enough of the omega-3. The fact of the matter is, if you have adequate amounts of omega-3 and healthy omega-6, your body will produce the third essential, third essential fatty acid, which is omega-9. 90 essential nutrients are what's necessary to make the body work. And I am happy to work with people. I'm happy to set up a consult with anyone who wants to know more about these nutritionals. I think that they're second to none in the industry, and I use them every single day, and I have for 20 years, and I know that that's the reason why, at my age, I'm not in there to have a bilateral joint replacement surgery. Mm -hmm. I'm not in there taking a statin drug or a blood pressure medication. Well, I can tell you, I 
I subscribe to exactly what you just described, and I take those same supplements, and I counsel my patients to take them too. And my dad was ill. That's exactly what I gave him. And the good thing about the supplements is that it's a liquid form. So for those of those who are against taking lots of pills, this is a very easy way to get the entire gamut with one morning dose. Yes, it is. The only thing that you really have to take in capsule or pill form is the essential fatty acids. And they're in gel caps, and those get down easy. But, but you're absolutely right. You can get the rest of what you need in a liquid form. And, you know, I personally throw everything I, I take in the morning into a shake, and mm-hmm. I just mix it all up, and I've got it all. I think this is an empowering show for folks. If you do have an underlying medical problem and you're on a boatload of medications, or better yet, if you're not sick and you don't want to be sick, Dr. Conaway is a wealth of knowledge and is somebody that I think everybody should go to your website and start the process of staying healthy because this is not a this is not a game if this healthcare system continues to unfold the way it is i hope it doesn't it's going to price people out and they're certainly not going to be healthier it's not about curing people it's about managing people and i have no interest in being part of that system i'm sure you don't either no i don't and that's why i do what i do every day i have no desire to be part of that system anymore how can people get your books and go to your website and listen to your show Okay, to get my books, go to drjconaway.com. Again, D-R-J-C-O-N-A-W-A-Y, drjconaway.com. And to find out about the radio show, go out to powerhourradio.com, powerhourradio.com. That will take you to a site where you can call into the show if you have questions, where you can call the team that can help you get the supplements, You can also order my books and CDs from that site. You can also order our amazing new CBD products from that site. CBD is a talk all all on its own. It's amazing the research that's been done with respect to hemp and CBD, not medical marijuana, but hemp and CBD. So lots of information on that site, and I'm happy to share any information with anyone that Give me a call or send me an email. You know, this show is way too short, but I want to, if you would be so kind, could come back on and speak about CBD because we didn't talk about cancer. Any, You know, we have so many other topics to hit. I, I really pray that you can come back on. It would be awesome to have you. Oh, I'd be delighted to join you again. That would be wonderful. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me today, and thank you for listening to Medicine on Call. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM.